0: Welcome to this episode of Stand Out, the podcast to better your business brought to you by NAPO, the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. Listen in and you'll walk away with insights from exemplary members who share their business acumen and the newest ideas from authors and thought leaders relevant to the organizing and productivity industry. And now, here's your host, longtime NAPO member,
1: Claire Kumar. So hello and welcome to another episode of Napo's podcast, Standout—the podcast all about bettering your organizing and productivity business. I'm your host, Productivity Catalyst Claire Kumar, and do we have a treat for you today? I have with me today Dorothy Brenninger. You'll know her as Dorothy the Organizer. You've probably seen her on Hoarders, or you've read about her in the Wall Street Journal, Forbes, and O Magazine. She's repeatedly appeared on the Today show the dr phil show the view the doctors qvc she's an la based organizer if you haven't heard of her now you're gonna want to look her up she's been in business i think it's 26 years and yeah so i am so thrilled and want to welcome you today dorothy first of all thanks so much for joining us you're welcome i'm glad to be here of course claire And, you know, I so I think I was just counting it. I think in February, I will have been 17 years in business. And in Canada, we were a little bit behind the U.S. We were always looking at the U.S. and thinking, wow, you guys, you're really steps ahead in having the market understand the whole concept of organizing. When I came in, we were still educating. What is this concept of having a professional organizer? And I thought, what a treat it is to have you to speak with today so we can get an understanding of what you've seen happen over the years, how you think organizing and productivity has evolved, and maybe even where you think it's going. So I thought maybe we'd start there. Could you give us a little bit of a synopsis of your journey into organizing and productivity and then we'll dance from there?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I love to dance. Perfect scenario for me. So I'll tell you how it all got started. (laughs) Well, I just want to point out that for
1: anybody who's listening and not watching us on YouTube at this moment, you miss Dorothy dancing. So if you do want to pop over and check over our YouTube channel, then definitely do that. And you'll get bonus content like the moves. So
0: (laughs) (laughs) perfect. Yes, I'll make sure that we keep the dancing going verbally so everyone can get the gist of it. But you know, I actually got my start working at universities. Prior to that, I was traveling around the world for a year. And I took a sabbatical from the university. And I said, you know, I, as I'm traveling, I could see that people were so much happier with less stuff. You know, why is this? Hmm. So you know, can I, how old were you when you did that? I think I was 28.
1: Okay, so just because I love when there's points of connection, I worked for three and a half years and took a year off and backpacked around the world too. And yeah, I have this fascination with people and their relationship to things. But moreover, maybe you notice this too, I was happy with the 26 pound backpack on my back.
0: That was my happiest year ever. Yeah, absolutely. The only thing I had on me was a house key tied to my shoe. So there was no mail, no phones, no anything going on except to be present every day. And I lost, I don't know, 40 pounds while I was away. It was just everything I had been seeking and nothing to do with stuff. You're right. When I came back from that experience, and I interviewed people along the way, I realized I wanted to clear up more than half of my house. So for me, it was just a personal and then a business jumping off point. So while I was at the university, you know, people started asking me, well, how how is it that you got to go on that trip? You know, what is it you know, had you travel around the world? How can I do that? And I always say it's because you want to get organized. Whatever you want to do, organizing is the crux.
1: That's so funny. To plan for my trip, you laugh. I carried a binder around for five months planning the trip and I had it down to like three day intervals. It all went kind of out the window. But I would go up to people and I'd say, Who do you know that wants me to stay with them? And <laughs> i like, oh, How daring, how wonderful. It ended up being amazing. So Singapore, Bangkok, I had anyway, anyway. But there was such an element of organization to the travel. So I love the connection you make to, to the travel, and then to your progression into the organizing business. So come back, coming back to you and your evolution into this career.
0: Yeah. So it evolved from there. I came back to the university. I'm working. It's actually at UCLA, and I'm. I'm considered very organized on the job. I was an executive assistant to the Dean of Public Health and everyone said, wow, your desk is so organized. Oh, I can come and help you. So it started with helping. I started giving seminars to all the other staff around the university, then to the faculty. And suddenly I was doing guest appearances all over the university system. And so I finally went to my boss and said, "You know, I think I wanna turn this into a business. And after a while, I gave my notice, I trained my replacement, and then UCLA became my first client.
1: That's a beautiful story. And it really reflects your innate talent and interest and stepping into that. So kudos for that journey.
0: Did it feel brave to do that? Of course, yes. I felt brave every step of the way because it was coming out of my own little mind, you know, that I wanted to do this. I didn't know 26 years ago, although there was organizing going on and NAPO was there. It took me a minute to find it. And when I did, boy, I was
1: rocking. Oh, amazing. Okay. So from that point, you start your own business. You say NAPO was there. What was going on at this time in the U.S. around organizing? How was organizing there and, and how did you come to connect with NAPO and how did that connection happen?
0: Yeah, I think the organizing came in just little classes, you know, through at that time, it was called the Learning Annex, night classes. And you could take adult education classes and there might be an organizing course. There. So that's about all, except that I was lucky enough to be in Los Angeles, where, you know, the founders of NAPO are, right? So I got to know them and, and became the president of NAPO LA and then went on to work at the board level, at the national board level for a couple of terms. And, you know, leadership was what it was all about for me. I loved everything about being in NAPO, still do. Love NAPO. I
1: love it. Yeah. I've been just in the interviews as I've been meeting and more and more NAPO members, the connection that I love hearing about most is the connection to NAPO and how volunteering for the organization has been not only in a way to embed in the organization and connect with others, it's been so richly rewarding as well. So I think I'm hearing you echo that.
0: Absolutely. I used to teach a lot of the volunteer leadership courses and I just don't see it as a have to. The whole point, Claire, is the volunteering allows you to be, allows me anyway, to be very creative. When you volunteer, you get to bring your creation to life. And so if you can use that as the access, hello, yeah, here you are,
1: Yeah 100%. This is I mean I feel really privileged to be invited into conversation and to seek out conversation with inspiring people such as yourself and to make that connection and be part of the organization. So yeah, so I found Napo in 2010 after finding POC in Canada professional organizers in Canada back in 2005. So it took me a while and then I realized wow, there's a wealth of knowledge and expertise. So being part of the community has been really rich for me. Let's go back to that time when you were, you were starting your business and at what point did you discover NAPO? Was it long after or what was happening for you as you built the business and, and then emerged more?
0: Yeah. Once I realized I had this organizing gene or interest, I looked everything up and I got involved immediately. So I went straight to the chapter and not only did I go straight to the chapter, but I went to the chapter and I said, I'm new. This is my first night. What can I do for you?
1: Right? Oh yeah, what a spirit.
0: So if you want to be known and get involved in a deeper level with Naple, all you have to do is say, what can I do for you? And yeah, you will be answered. <laughs> well, yeah,
1: yeah, I do have to say that there is so much that Naple accomplishes and it really is because of the volunteers that are involved. It wouldn't happen without all of that energy. There's a lot of leadership and stewardship, and we have our association management, and all of us come together. But without the volunteers, boy, it would be a, such a fraction of what we could do. So yeah, so I love that. I love that. So tell me how your business evolved then, because how do you go from there to one day being on numerous hoarding shows and on, on all of these TV shows? Tell me about how your business expanded. What was the journey?
0: I think the journey happened when, the biggest journey happened, you know, I had done all this volunteering at NAPO. I was known as someone who would just take on the strangest things. I loved organizing the volunteer events. So there was that, and I got a call from NAPO, and they said, Dorothy, we have someone who is going to jail because they are hoarding. Would you be willing to call Los Angeles County and help them out and see what you can do course. So I call LA County. What do you need? I understand you've got someone who hoards. I didn't know about it then. And what is it that I can help you with? And I said, can you work with this man? He's going to jail. He's 76 years old. He has 5,000 bikes and bike parts inside his house. So he's sleeping on the outside of his house in one of the most dangerous parts of Los Angeles. And I said, absolutely. And then they said, we can't pay you. So I just said, you know what? No problem. I've never done this thing hoarding. You know, this is 2003, maybe. Absolutely. I'll do it. I spent a year of my own time, my own money. I recruited people, volunteers. I worked with judges. I worked. I went to court with this person. I worked on the developing the L.A. County Hoarding Task Force. And all of this was just so and it's not where I was going. I thought I was going to be doing corporate work. And it became a hoarding. So I just accepted the opportunity that came and wound up on the NBC Today show, the front page of the LA Times, you know, all these magazines and boom, I get an offer to be on the hoarders TV show on a and
1: I love that story. And it, it again, emphasizes why volunteering can lead to amazing things without it even being the intention. What I noticed and what you said was curiosity. You didn't know anything about hoarding or if you could help that person, but that spirit of curiosity and also compassion to step into an opportunity and generosity to step into that, which was going to demand a lot of you and to not know where it was going to go. That's really speaks to who you are.
0: Well, thank you, Claire. You know, I think the other piece for me is being naive has been a benefit to me on the one hand, you know, on the one hand. That's been a great thing. On the other hand, you know, I've always been a Lone Ranger, and this is where I always want to make an apology to my NAPO friends, because I didn't know how to be a good partner. I didn't know how to share. I didn't know how to credit others. Really, really, until about six years ago, did I learn the lesson. So that's been a hard one for me to sort of clean up the stuff that I didn't do correctly
1: that's a really profound thing to say and as i listen to you it prompts things that i'm reflecting on in so many ways but one of them is i did not reach out to people and say let me learn from you i figured i needed to do everything and figure it out on my own that is a an exhausting road <laughs> So, sure is, right? so I don't know if there's a, that felt to me like there might be a little parallel there. And then I realized, oh my gosh, you know, if you can park the scarcity kind of feeling, what, I, what I'm liking seeing in NAPO now is this coming together on a community basis in NAPO and outside of NAPO. NAPO is one organization of Atlanta-based organizers coming together to serve their community. And I'm, I think there's such a opportunity if we can have that spirit you're talking about and step into that early of the connection and collaboration that we make. So where do you think that came from?
0: Believe me, I've studied it. You know, like, how could I be kind of so self-centric about things? And, you know, I remember a time, no blame here, mom, but, you know, I was a gymnast, really good at gymnastics. And at one time, you know, I'm 14, 15 years old and I won a lot of the events. And I went with one of the opposing gymnasts over there. And we just practiced some, doing some of these new moves we'd seen in the Olympics. And my mom called me over and she says, you never share that kind of information. You keep that to yourself. That's the only way you're going to get ahead. So it's not a blame. She comes from the war in Germany. You know, you had to stay close, keep it all close to the vest. But that's how I operated until I learned, oh no, partnership is a much better idea.
1: I love that. I mean, yeah, we're all informed by our culture, by the voices that come to us, and one of the big opportunities is to check that bias. Is I'm holding something true? Is it? Is it reasonable that that's still true, true now? And so I love that discovery. But what you say you're noticing now? If we come to you know 2022, and boy, we've been through some interesting challenges in the past couple of years. We've seen an evolution. I mean, virtual has become a real thing now. What are so, are you noticing in the industry now that surprises you or delights you or frustrates you?
0: Well, I'm seeing a lot and it's mostly based on COVID, you know, that whole shift. But Fortune magazine just quoted that 4.5 million people have literally walked off their jobs as of November 2021. So that means, well, what are they doing? And that, you know, it's kind of called the great resignation and it's now actually be being renamed to the great reshuffling because they're walking off those jobs and people are recreating their careers now. Well, what do they want to do? Aha, guess what? It fits right here into our world of organizing, which so many people, at least from my perspective, have years worth of experience because a lot of these people who are resigning are mid-career okay so they have this wealth of experience and I'm seeing the organizing industry grow because of this you know I am training others to become organizers because of this when you have a certain skill set whether it's real estate or whatever that skill set might be it can be living under the umbrella or the rubric of organizing. So that's the biggest change that I'm seeing. And because everyone is working from home for those who haven't walked off their jobs, right? They too need our organizing expertise. So organizing is the hot job. I think in 2020, it was one of the top 10 jobs by Business Insider Magazine.
1: Oh, I didn't know that. That's exciting. I do sense the opportunity as a productivity coach right now. I think the opportunity to step into the burnout proofing arena is really where I see a big opportunity. There are headlines every day around the levels of burnout, especially in leadership. And so, yeah, there's so many. What, what I love that I've noticed over the past few years is this expansion into real depth in different areas. I mean, the number of the scope of organizing and productivity is so vast. There's room for so many different kinds of expressions of that skill and expertise to add value in so many different ways.
0: Yeah, and that's, I think we're saying the same thing here because people are having this experience like they watch things on TV, they watch other people doing things. I can do that, I do that, I could do that better. And so that if I have a set of skills then I want to use those skills. And so that's why the careers that, you know, all these different columns, all these different experiences are happening, because people can go in depth, as you're saying.
1: Yeah. And I think what I've noticed in the past couple of years is this reconnection to a richness of life. And my experience in the corporate world meant that that was hard to come by. Sometimes there was a, it was an overwork and a real hustle culture going on and a lot of people have said i want some autonomy this is why i went full time into business for myself i needed to call the shots on how i sculpted my life and where my fulfillment was going to come from and i think that's the huge opportunity now people are like you know i kind of like this work from home thing i like managing my time and and figuring out how i can contribute and i think that's uh, has a lot to play in this too
0: yeah you know i was able to, I love the term sculpt. That's beautiful. I love travel. And, you know, even though we're married seven years, Marty and I still feel like newlyweds and we love to travel. And, you know, last year we did a trip to Belize and it was on a little puddle jumper. And I had a camera guy there and we were able to do a bunch of filming In Belize, and I did all of my coaching from Belize. I do a lot of business coaching and things like that, not hoarding, believe it or not. And here I am doing my work, you know, from different countries around the world. I I love to say that about myself, and I love to do it. And that's what organizing can offer so many people.
1: Yeah, it really lets you design your life the way you want to, and so that is that is very very exciting. What challenge do you think face the industry, in your estimation? You know, as as you've seen things evolve, I mean, there's a big sense of there's so much material and information and content out there now that is really rich. There's a lot more DIY, for example. So, what do you think is changing that's that may be challenging for us?
0: Well, challenging in the industry, if you let it be challenging. I was
1: expecting you to say that. I (laughs) knew you'd you'd put a positive spin on it. So yeah, what are you thinking?
0: You know, now it comes to me like people will say, well, Dorothy, can you come and organize, let's say an office? So I'm great with paper. I can do it like that. I can do it digitally, no problem. And then they want to do a very particular software program that I don't know. So that could be, and there are so many apps that we know and don't know. And, you know, when someone hears it on the radio or sees it on, you know, a YouTube channel, they want to try that app. And I haven't heard of it yet. So is that going to be a negative? No, it's going to be great. Let me find a way to have this happen for you. I'm going to connect you with so-and-so. Like, remember how I said that I was afraid to share and partner in the past? Gone, gone, gone. Right. So now, now I can call on the experts that are there because you mentioned it earlier, people are going in depth and learning very specific things. So I can just hand it off. Yes, I can do photo organizing, but would I rather turn to, you know, Kathy Nelson or somebody like that who does, you know, photography and, and all of that? Yes. Send it over to her then.
1: Yeah. And, and you get to be appreciated for being that conduit to talent. Yes. And we can do. I think, I think it's important to say we can have healthy referral programs going on in our business as well. The way real estate does, there's no reason we can't have the same kind of thing and build those networks to really look after each other and, and make sure that the flow is reasonable. If you're sending a lot of people business, then it's reasonable to look to those kinds of arrangements as well.
0: Absolutely. That's so key. I think so anyway.
1: Yeah, yeah. So from a media perspective, and the way organizing is being treated in the media now, there's been an evolution there as well. Hoarders aside, maybe a little bit, that's kind of a specific topic to look at. But what do you think is happening in terms of north america and the world's consciousness when we look at marie kondo and and her spark joy initiative and if we then we look at the home edit and the curation if we look at cass arson's Clutterbug and what she's doing on hgtv hot, hot mess house i think is the name so there's so many there's different angles of it what's your sense on how as a culture we're looking at this topic of organization
0: as a culture I think people are looking and saying, I either can do it or I can't. Like there's a real honesty for people in the world to say I can or can't. And it's not just the United States. This is global, Claire, because as I travel, this is the same conversation. And so when I think about this, whether I can or can't, that's where we come in as the professional organizers. So I gave you their being, but their perception is, They either say, I have an organizer or I don't. It's just a regular conversation. When I speak to someone now and they say, what do you do? And I say, I'm a professional organizer. They say to me, oh yeah, I have one or, oh, I need one. It isn't to explain it anymore. It's understood.
1: And where does shame fit in? Because my experience over the, you know, I've stopped going into people's homes in the last few years, but the whole, whole time I would say, I would feel that there were some people that were really proud and there were other people that were like, if you have a sign on your car, do not park in my driveway. Right. 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 There was a lot of shame. And where, where are we in that discussion? Are, have we reached the, I have a like a high-end designer. I have an organizer. <laughs>
0: are, are we there yet? Well, I think what's happening. Organizer went from being a luxury to being a necessity. The more we experienced hardships in our world, whether it was 9-11 or this pandemic or anything prior to that, we turned or people turned to professional organizers. Some organizers might say, oh, there was a drop-off in my business. Others might say people came to me because I was needed. They were so full of fear that they needed to get control of their lives that they came to me as a professional organizer. So that's what's happening. Right now, we're in a culture that's been driven by fear over the last two, going on three years. And I think that professional organizers just innately have this personality that says, I'm in charge. I'll let you be in charge. But I'm I'm in charge, ultimately, to make sure you get what you need done, happen, help, whatever that is for you. So I think we're essential. We're no longer luxury
1: that is an important transition for sure that we become we become critical to the success of someone's functioning and become more top of mind in the solutions that they're considering well along with meal services and cleaning assistance we now need the strategic thinking to be part of the solution yeah i love that where do you think the environmental concerns ecological concerns and i'm anticipating not sure if we're seeing it yet movement to buying fewer things. How do you think that might influence what we're doing?
0: Well, it's already happening. We've been talking about 10 years now of the tiny house movement. We've got the minimalists already in place, but the generation now is really, truly looking to live on less. If you take a look at Elon Musk, he's living in a tiny home right now. Is he? Yeah. Take a look. He's, you know, managing the space program and he's on site and he has a tiny house there. And I believe he's got a tiny house movement or he's affiliated with a builder who does tiny homes. So there's no question, none, none. And, you know, you can say, well, Elon Musk, uh, you know, I don't know. Or you might say, wow, either way, (laughs) when he does a tweet, the world changes. So whether we like it or whether we don't, he already is projecting that we have to go smaller.
1: Well, if we look at what's happening economically, I know here for sure, we're talking about the next generation is not looking at ownership. I mean, it already happened in other markets. In Japan, renting is the name of the game. So if we look at it, it's, it's trickling down here. So our expectations of how we live and ownership are all changing. And I mean, and even in the economy with this sort of, I don't own all the music I listen to. Now I rent it for a time, and and everything ownership is in the big picture very fleeting anyway so so it's interesting to examine our relationship to things and what we need to possess it's It's funny, my sister just she's an artist, and she's done some paintings, and she is in some transition with where she's living and might have had to walk away from the paintings and get a new place and I was feeling angst over her having to leave these things, but she kindly let me make a calendar with some of the art and I have it on my desk. And I thought, you know, what actually do we really need? You know, this conversation of how attached are we to the things and what do we really need to really hold on to something important?
0: Well, I'd like to just say, you know, thanks for having it turned into a calendar because it's beautiful. Tell your sister she's doing great work. But the other thing is how much do we really need? Marty, husband, and I go through our entire house every single year, no kidding, every drawer together, and we completely eliminate, and our top drawer in our kitchen has four of the most used items. Second drawer has about 13, and the bottom drawer has maybe once a year, twice a year, you know, electric, uh, nine, you know, something <laughs> like that. <laughs>
1: but, uh, it's going, it's going. Right. Yeah, I love that sound effect. That was that was awesome. <laughs> do you think that's been part of why your presence on TV and in media has been so successful? You're you're not only knowledgeable and charming and generous, but you've got this performance spirit, I see.
0: Well, okay. So, thank you for that, but here's what I you know, when I started in Napo, I also knew that I wanted to do speaking, right? Mm-hmm. And I wanted I, I was terribly afraid so I hired a speaking coach and many of your viewers and listeners would do the same and that speaking coach said okay let's do a practice run it's the first time I met her and I stood right behind this I had a three-piece suit or two-piece suit on and I stood behind this little desk and I I spoke directly from my notes you know and said exactly what I should and she said who are you and I said oh she, who are you I said really underneath it all. She said, yeah, yeah. Who are you? Oh, gymnast, shorts, tennis shoes, outrageous. And she said, get out from behind that podium and go be that person. So, Wow. What a gift. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. 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 Showing up really tapped into this in the past two, three years. The more I allow myself to just express who I am, the more magnetic it is. And I'm sure magnets work both ways, right? They attract and they repel. And so I'm sure that's part of it. But when they attract, boy, do they attract.
0: Yeah, yeah. I will say that when I do seminars that I've designed and invited people who want what I have, they are outrageous. But this personality in an accounting firm, mm, you know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, I don't know. I work with accountants, actually. That's the largest group of people I work with. And- I don't know. I dive with them for some reason. So you never know. You might be an accountant's, you know, dirty little secret. Who knows? This has been a fascinating conversation. Is there any point, anything that you'd like to say to our organizers out there who have, you know, had a really interesting, sometimes really wildly successful last couple of years, or maybe a tougher time, depending on where they're living and also, you know, our personal situations with immunity and able to be put ourselves in risky physical situations what would you say because you're such a wondrous positivity force what would you say to the organizing productivity yeah, community
0: i would say to all of you no matter what your situation is and you know i've had so many things that have gone wrong in my life some self-created others you know external but no matter what take a look at how you can create from there as an example You know, my sister Pat passed away a few years ago, and I did a couple of things. Obviously, I organized her, but she also wanted to go away. She wanted to see if we could meet the Pope, right? And so part of my organizing became, how could I get my sister to see the Pope before she passed away? And not only did that happen, but we had tickets not only to the front of all of those 80,000 people at the Vatican in the square, But we were in the first row and he came and shook her hand. So take that organizing and use it in every area that you can. And how do you also make it worthwhile to others? Like I made a difference in my sister's life and mine for sure. And then I wrote a book on cancer and how to get organized inside of having a diagnosis of cancer. And that's free to everybody. I don't charge for it. It's just something that I did. So if anybody wants to see it, they can go to cancerconcierge.org, right? Just take a look. All I did was that. But then it opened up more doors because I was starting to do shows on cancer and organizing and disease and health. And see, there it goes again. All I did was work with my circumstances.
1: You know what? It's, and this footnote is stay generous stay in who you are, use your skills to serve others. That's my definition of what success is. Anyway, because the more giving we do, the more we're receiving and you role model that you live that so beautifully, Dorothy. What a treat it has been to spend some time with you. Your are infectious, your enthusiasm. It's absolutely contagious In contagious you. in a good way. We can have good contagions. <laughs> oh, there you part. go. I didn't <laughs> think of that. I'm own yeah. virus. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Everybody needs a little bit of Dorothy. That's for sure. Thanks, that's Claire. for sure.
0: You too. Okay.
1: Well, thanks so much again for joining us. And for all you listeners out there, I told you this one's going to be a good one, didn't I? We we had such a delightful conversation. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you took some gems away and perhaps a renewed, refreshed attitude to the way you show up in your business and a sense of opportunity. So as always, check out the other episodes at napopodcast.com. Let us know what you think. Let us know. I had so many connections with what Dorothy said today. Maybe you did too. Reach out on social media and share, tag Dorothy, tag NAPO, and continue the conversation out of this episode so we understand how it resonated with you. You can also let us know what you'd like to hear more of and drop a review if you feel so inclined. It's always good to know how you think and how we're serving you. So until the next episode, as always, be safe, stay kind, and enjoy your journey.
0: That's all for today's episode of Standout, brought to you by NAPO, the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. Be sure to visit NAPO.net to join, learn more about our educational offerings, local chapters, and more.